You know, sometimes you get a talk, the Lord gives you a, a talk, and I'm, I, that's what I spend my life doing, asking God to speak to me and so and hopefully speak through me. But sometimes you get a talk whereby God just keeps talking to you about a, a specific thing. And what God has been saying to me this week in the middle of all this busyness is be still and know that I'm God. Be still and know that I'm God. That's where we're going to end up with all of this. Being still and hoping to savor the presence of God. I was speaking to a, a, a bishop a couple of weeks ago, and he was saying, how's it going for you, Chris? And I said, well, you know, uh, it's autumn, we are really busy. And he said, I know just what you mean. It's like going from naught to 100 miles an hour in the space of three weeks. Now, that sounds very slow, but actually it's like that. The summer months are kind of chilled, and we get time to sort of do a bit of maintenance on the building, and we spend a lot of time reflecting upon what we're doing and planning new courses and exciting new program things for you, but then suddenly we hit September, and by the, you know, in two or three weeks, it's varum, you know? And every night of the week, there are hundreds of people coming down here for various courses, the Restore course, the Alpha course, you name it, we're doing it. Essentials is coming up, conferences. It's like, whoa, you know? And I was walking around Verilamian Park this week and uh, just praying as I do, and uh, usually do that two or three times a week. And it was Thursday morning, and I don't know if you even remember Thursday now in our busy lives, but Thursday was a jewel of a day. Thursday morning was a jewel of a morning. It was the kind of morning that I guess it was on the first day that God made Eden. It was just so bright. The dew was sparkling, you know, the, the colors of the autumnal trees were just magnificent, you know. And I get out of my car, having spent some time in prayer, and I start walking around the lake. And do you know what? I'll say this against myself. I was three quarters of the way around the lake, praying as I do, uh, and I was so caught up in reflecting on the past and some issues that I'm, I'm dealing with and, and looking for the future and thinking about timings and the GLS and how can we do this, that I was three quarters of the way around the lake when suddenly I kind of, like the Spirit of God stopped me and I, and I looked up and I realized I'd walked all the way around that lake and I couldn't remember a thing about it. I'd been so caught up in the past and the future that I was missing the present. And the truth of the matter is that we only have this moment. You know, you may be planning something exciting this afternoon. I hope you are. My family and I are going to celebrate my wife's birthday this afternoon. We're looking forward to that. And, uh, and you know, and this week I've had cause to reflect upon some things. But, you, you know, that's how we do life, don't we? But, you know, the only moment that we actually have is this moment. The only moment you can be sure of, even as you look at the past, you know, we're selective in our rec recollection of the past. I can tell you I've been brought up short once or twice this week in, in, in thinking I remembered how something went, and it didn't. And then somebody's pointed out, and I've had to admit that I just have no recollection of it being that way. But we only have this moment. And in this moment, there is us, and there is God. So I long for us to be a people who savor this moment. And I believe that's God's word to us. Be still. Hold on up. Breathe in deeply. Lift your head. I open your eyes. Open your ears. For I'm in your midst.
So it may sound a little curious, but I'm going to read a little story, rattle through it, and then we'll go into some ministry. This may seem completely random. Maybe it's just me that sees a connection, but let's have a look at this. If you've got a Bible with you, please turn with me to 2 Kings chapter 20. And this is a little story about King Hezekiah and King Hezekiah's illness. King Hezekiah, you know, I'd love to spend a little more time telling you a bit about him, but he was one of the goodies, one of the good kings of Judah, the southern kingdom of Israel. He did well, by and large, and uh, we, we, we don't know a great deal about him. He's, he's well reported, but there's not, a, you know, there's not chapters and chapters and chapters about King Hezekiah. But this was one moment in his life where he was in a fix. Let's just read about it. Verse 1, chapter 22 Kings. In those days, Hezekiah became ill and was at the point of death. The prophet Isaiah, son of Amos, went to him and said, This is what the Lord says. Put your house in order, because you are going to die. You will not recover. Boy, talk about bedside manner, you know. Hey, where's the flowers? Where's the grapes, you know? You know, cheer me up. Don't tell me I'm going to die. Anyway, Isaiah wasn't a man to mess with. So it goes on. Hezekiah turned his face to the wall and prayed to the Lord. Remember, Lord, how I have walked before you faithfully and with a wholehearted devotion and have done what is good in your eyes. And Hezekiah wept bitterly. Before Isaiah had left the middle court, the word of the Lord came to him. Go back and tell Hezekiah, the ruler of my people, this is what the Lord, the God of your father David, says. I have heard your prayer and seen your tears, and I will heal you. You know, I, I was arrested by that little, little thing there. I have heard your prep and seen your tears. Um, uh, I'm not going to mention names, but this is true. During this week, I, I went out into our little uh, coffee area in our, the staff, um, pastoral staff side, and there was a member of staff in there. And as I, as I sort of walked past her, I, I thought I saw that she'd been weeping. And uh, I turned and I, I said to this staff member, I said, uh, have, you been, have you been crying? And she sort of said, yes, I have. And she told me what it was about. Uh, uh, it was just the joy of working here with, with me, you know. <laughs> what it was about is not the point of the story, all right? So get over it, you know. But the thing I, I noted about that was that when I got up close, I could see that she had been weeping. But it wasn't obvious. And what struck me about this little expression, when Father God says to, to say to Hezekiah, I've heard your prayers, but I've seen your tears. That spoke to me of the intimacy and the nearness of our God. You have to get up close sometime to see the tear. Father God says, I've seen your tears. That's how close our God is. That's how intimate and attentive our God is. It goes on. On the third day, Isaiah said to Hezekiah, on the third day from now you will go up to the temple of the Lord and I will add 15 years to your life and I will deliver you and this city from the hand of the king of Assyria. They were under siege. They were about to be under siege. I will defend this city for my sake and for the sake of my servant David. I, I want to just point out something there to you. 
When Hezekiah heard that he was ill, it says he turned his face to the wall and wept. And his prayer was, oh God, I can't believe it. You say, I'm going to die? But God, what's that about? You know, you know, I've served you. You know, I've, I've, I've tried to establish your worship in the temple. You know, I've done this for you. I've done that for you. Oh, God, remember my good deeds. Oh, God, please, I'm a young man. I don't deserve to die. Oh, God, have mercy upon me. Wrong. You see, when God decides to heal Hezekiah, it's not because of his good works or his great character or his attentiveness to temple worship. And Father lovingly corrects him and says, Son, I'm going to heal you. I've heard your prayer. I feel compassion for you. But not because of your good works. Never ever, listen church, never ever think that God owes you anything. Really, he doesn't. But Father God says to Hezekiah, I'm going to heal you. Why? For my sake. And for the sake of my, your, your father David. And God had a covenant relationship, a very special relationship with him. He was going to establish a, an eternal dynasty through him and made promises to his father. So Father gently corrects him and says, you know, it's not about your goodness, your greatness, your kindness, your, your compassion, or any, your, your, your care for the poor, you know, your serving in the cafe or whatever it is. I'm doing this because I'm God and I'm good. Just want to point that out to you, son. And he goes on. He says, then Isaiah said, prepare a poultice of figs. And they did so and applied it to the boil, and he recovered. And Hezekiah had asked Isaiah, what will be the sign that the Lord will heal me and that I will go up to the temple of the Lord on the third day from that? I mean, gosh, cheeky so-and-so, if you don't mind me saying so. Isn't it enough that the prophet has just told him he's going to get well? But he said, give me a sign. And Isaiah answered him, he said, this is the Lord's sign to you, and the Lord's very gracious and knows how we're made and knows he needs some reassurance in this desperate moment. This is the Lord's sign to you that the Lord will do what he has promised. And then he asked Hezekiah a question, shall the shadow go forward 10 steps or shall it go back 10 steps? Well, that's a no-brainer, says Hezekiah. It's a simple matter for the shadow to go forward 10 steps because that's the way it goes. Ah, I get your, your drift, says Hezekiah. I tell you what, if God wants to give me a sign, make the shadow go backwards. Rewind time. And then the prophet Isaiah called on the Lord, and the Lord made the shadow go back ten steps. It had gone down on the stairway of Ahaz. You see, as I was praying about this and thinking about you guys and thinking about all that we attempt in the Lord's name, and his passion that what we get out of this is just an extraordinary sense of our, his love for us, his greatness, his goodness, and our sonship. And that's men and women. That's a sort of technical sound. And nothing more. I felt Father said, you know, remember, remember that the God you serve is inside and outside of time. Jesus Christ, it says in Hebrews 13:8, is the same yesterday, today, and forever. I think I've even got that as a little screen, haven't I, um, James? Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And what God wants to encourage us to do 
in a way that our society and our culture really does not allow us to do. Because it's so noisy, so busy. He wants us to live in the moment. Because truthfully, this moment is the only moment you have. As many of you know, I'm part of a, a car club. I've been in a number of car clubs over the years. And last week, uh, our local area group leader went to a funeral of a 59-year-old woman. She was the wife of the Essex chapter, or whatever they call themselves. And they were on a Triumph sports car tour of northern France. And they were down in the hotel lounge having a beer or a wine, glass of wine or something, and she said, I'm just going to, I'm feeling a little bit tired, I'm going to go to bed. So she went upstairs to bed early, and when her husband went up an hour later, she was dead. She died of an aneurysm. You know, and those of you who know about these things will know that this, you know, one minute you're fine, and then three minutes later you're dead. Our times are in God's hand. I'm sure she had all sorts of plans and all sorts of things they were looking for, future trips, future tours, future this, a visit to the biotapestry tomorrow, whatever, whatever. But actually, our times are in God's hands. Savor this moment and ensure that this moment is a God-shaped moment. Got it? Please not enthusiastically. This is such an important message because if we begin to build a God-shaped moment into every moment of our, our life, if we make that part of our genetic code, it begins to transform and inform the way we do life. We treasure every moment. We don't do that, well, I'm going to do the church thing on Sunday, so I'll doff my hat to God then, because God is in this moment. It truly is a moment. Be still and know that I am God. Carry that stillness with you. We are a people with eternity in our hearts. It says in the scripture, God has put eternity in our hearts. As I taught you a couple of weeks ago, that is a gift of God. It's not something we're born with. It's something that God gives us through Jesus Christ, his son, our savior. And that should transform and inform every moment. So I want you to take a deep breath, almost physically do this, please. A deep breath, I want you to be here now, in the presence of God. You know, the old monastic guys believed that physical posture and surroundings were very important to engaging God in the moment. So please just take a deep breath, one, two, three. And now we're just going to watch a, a video, which I hope you want to really get into. And then we'll just do a little bit of ministry after that. Thanks, guys. <laughs> 